Hello to everybody who has stopped listening to Beautiful Anonymous. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Chris Gathered here. Welcome to Beautiful Anonymous. This episode's being released on Christmas Eve. Hello. Happy holidays to all. We're in the holiday season. And if you do celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. This show is a gift to me. Really is. Thank you, everybody, for supporting it. Want to very quickly mention, if you're looking for something to do on New Year's in New York City, I'm hosting a show, chrisgeth.com, for info on that. And also, if you're looking to give somebody in the Bay Area who's a listener to the show a great gift, San Francisco Sketch Fest, a live taping of Beautiful Anonymous. We're also having a... Uh, Chris Gathered Show tribute out there, which is awfully nice. I doubt many people come. Anyway, we talked to someone who originally called three and a half years ago, but you never heard their call, okay? That will be explained more in the course of the call. I'm really glad we did this, though. It's so cool. This was someone from three and a half years ago. The show was a little different back then. I think a lot of the longtime listeners are going to agree. Oh, yeah, this is a throwback to when the show was a little freewheeling, a little less planned, because this caller actually stopped listening to the show a while ago, which is neither here nor there. Does it sting a little? Sure. Am I going to be a grown-up about it? Of course. I'm a pro. People stop listening. It's fine. Well, this person, it's like uh, they're calling from back in the days when we just go anywhere. We talk about toughness and masculinity and the musical Hamilton and a whole lot, a lot of other stuff. So happy holidays and enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hey. Hi. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. This is Chris. Hi, Chris. <laughs> this is not a person who's going to tell you their name, because that's not how the show works. <laughs> well done. Now, I want to explain for anyone listening, this is a kind of unique and pretty funny situation I don't know if you'd agree probably but go ahead <laughs> so you know every every year we've been doing these beautiful follow up calls and we get back in touch with um, prior callers and I, we were kind of going over oh maybe who should we reach out to this person that person and I had said to Jared wouldn't it be funny if we uh, if we talked to Hot Scoop, who was the person who told a lot of poop stories, wouldn't that be a funny one? They'd call someone back and be like, hey, are you still pooping all the time? And we were laughing <laughs> about it. And that was in the very, very early phase of the show. And we tried to call back the number that we thought was Hot Scoop. And instead, we got in touch with you. And if, if, my, if, if I have all the facts straight from Jared, and I vaguely, very vaguely recommend this, uh, remember this rather on the same day that we talked to hot scoop we had prior talked to you but the call got dropped like less than 10 minutes in and we had mm -hmm. and we only now realized how to get back in touch with you is that the accurate representation that i don't know about the hot scoop portion <laughs> yes. of it yes but on my end yeah we spoke very <laughs> briefly and I dropped my phone and it shattered. And so I could hear you <laughs> ah. trying to regain the call, but I, my microphone wasn't working. And it was, I just, I lived a nightmare for a few minutes. 
and that trying was... <laughs> to get back in touch with you. And then random, I never expected to call the show again because it's it, timing never worked out. And then Jared reached out to me, and yeah, kismet. I actually have today off, so I had nothing going on. Amazing. And we should be clear to anyone listening: this was over three and a half years. Or it was about three and a half years ago. We looked it up. It's over yes. three years ago. Yeah, I like I said, I. So I used to call into the show whenever you would tweet the number. I had like a little alert set up because I'm a big old dork. And uh, I spent like maybe four hours on hold and it just never went through until the day that it finally did. And then we talked for, like you said, like 10 minutes. And so I was like, okay, well, clearly it's just, it's not meant to be and I'm not going to try and force it. No, it is meant to be. And, yeah, uh, man. Is that guy Hot Scoop is still listening to the show? By all means, hey, reach out to us. We lost your number. I want to hear how your digestive tract's doing. But in the meantime, we're going to give you the second opportunity. Uh, do you still listen to the show? You can be honest. It's okay if you don't. Uh, no, but my sister does like every night to, no offense, but to fall asleep. Oh, she that's finds what, her voice very soothing. 100% what podcasts are for. <laughs> I have my go-to podcast that I fall asleep to. It's The History of Rome. It's one of the I the think, History of Rome? Yeah, it was. I, I think it was like a very well-regarded early breakout podcast because it was one of the first ones that it was like a historian putting in work and really researching it. That being said, it's very informational and um, educational, but pretty dry. So it's great to fall asleep to. And there's hundreds of episodes. So I'm glad. I'm honored to be your sister's fall asleep podcast. Sure. I uh, I don't listen to a podcast to fall asleep I have uh, lectures from when I was an undergrad. I took a maps and mapping class, and I had a very soft-spoken South African professor who would talk about legends and crafts and charts. And I still have, like, notebooks where I fall asleep. You can see, like, my handwriting trail off midline. <laughs> um, so I, could, I replay those, and I'm out in, like, five minutes. Now, what did I do to lose your interest in dedication <laughs> as a listener? You didn't do anything. I did a thing, and by con- like you remind me a lot of my time in New York, and I no longer live there. God. And it was so like you were kind of a painful. You tr- you stirred up not through any action of your own, but like your show and listening to your show stirred up a lot of painful memories. So I needed to mm-hmm. like not go back to that for a while. Because very often when people leave New York, it's because New York has broken them. Is this what happened to you? <laughs> it's in the process um, of breaking me currently. After 15 years and a lot of success here, this city is grinding me down and I want out. You do? I feel like, I mean, you're a quintessential New Jerseyan, but I, I, and don't get me wrong, I completely agree with you. I think New York is a a treadmill with like spikes on its treads (laughs) instead of whatever treadmill treads are made out of. Yes. Um, But it, I, I don't know, I just seem like, where would you go? Well, that's the thing. If you were in New York and you were a fan of mine three, four, five years ago, I, I, I was like an, an ubiquitous part of, at that phase, not just New York comedy, but I was always on New York music shows and DIY shows. I'm regarded as like a New York guy, especially mm-hmm. back then. So I get you're like, wait, what else would you do? Here's the thing. I don't know where else I would go and what else I would do. But it's sure. it's gonna. I just saw. I, don't, I think I talked about this on another episode. That I was just on a car with a subway masturbator at two in the afternoon, and <laughs> I have a son oh, now. God. I have a son now. I can't be. I can't be raising this kid in a city where people just openly masturbate on public transportation. I just can't. 
I just can't. I don't know why the middle of the afternoon makes that so much worse, but it is. And I completely feel you. Like I'm, I don't have a, a newborn, but a big thing walking around the city and seeing like little kids was, I can't imagine trying to bring up a person and expecting them to turn out not just full of either rage or fear, which is, I guess, fear. Yeah. Uh, rage. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I want to raise him someplace where people actually make eye contact and say hello to each other. And if he wants to chase a dream someday, like I did, and he wants to come mm-hmm. to the city to do it, like I did, more power to you. But I'm not chasing those dreams anymore. I'm looking out for this little guy. So it's time to peace out. Was that like an overnight change for you? The, cause I mean, you, to me, like you're, you've kind of achieved a dream or at least, a version of the dream. I don't know what it was when you set out, but or do you feel like, okay, I have this now. Oh, and now I have this, you know, this young person that I can, I, they're my new priority. Or you, were you like, I'm still pursuing something. I'm still chasing something. And then your son's born and bam, okay, time to completely shift priority. Well, when you say that you view me as someone who had achieved a dream, what are you referring to? Because someone who was following me three and a half years ago, I, I wonder what that means to you from that perspective. Well, to me, from that perspective, it, like you were a ubiquitous part of the comedy scene. Um, for me, you were you had a show, like you're a show with your name on it that you called most, if not all, of the shots for, at least in the mm-hmm. public mm-hmm. access days. I don't know if that was true for Fuse. Um, no, Fuse, you, a network somehow Fuse. smaller than Fuse that picked a name too similar. <laughs> Twice the letters, half the viewers. <laughs> you said it. I didn't, <laughs> but I love it. Um, you have two books? I think you've got at least three, one book. Three I know. books. Yeah, three, three books. Yeah. <laughs> you have a number of books published. Um, you have uh, an incredible, if I may say so, uh, uh, one-person show comedy special. Thank you. Um, that got on HBO. You have, I, I'm sure your fans of your show know your credits, but for me, like the perspective is like in comedy, you got on HBO and television, you got a show where you were the showrunner for it in uh, improv. You were like, you could kind of show up at UCB whenever you wanted I was a to. King. You were like, yeah, yeah, you were a king. And so seeing all of that and like, and you were a published author. So all of these, and you, you got your like a punk rock girl. So like, I was like, man, no, like you got it all. You kind of. Got it all, dude. Well, let me tell you something. And thank you for saying all that. It's nice to hear my credits listed back to me. So thank you for that. But here's the thing. So the TV show got canceled. And obviously mm-hmm. it's going to shake you up. That's a thing I fought hard for. It was a thing that meant the world to me. I met my wife through it. Other people got married through it. There's three babies that are alive right now who are through couples that met on the show. There's another couple that got married. It was a hugely important thing in my life for a solid percentage of my life time-wise and it shook me up so hard and then I sat around for about a year going man what else am I going to do I gotta get back out there this and that and then I realized nothing's ever gonna you can't achieve anything that makes you feel like now I can finally sail off into the sunset like that feeling's never gonna go away so maybe I just need to decide to stop chasing things and actually take a breath come up for air and feel like, yeah, I I don't think I have much left to to prove, and I don't think I ever want to work that hard again. So maybe it's time to just go chill out and figure out something new. 
Well, you are a parent now, so I don't know if you can chill out that hard. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That all started with you asking, did that happen overnight? And the answer is no. I was already really stressed and with career stuff. But I'll tell you, and my dad listens to the show sometimes. He knows that I love him and respect him to death, but I think he'd be the first to admit that he he was a worker and it's mm-hmm. com- it's commendable and my life was stable because of him but he'd be the first to admit that work dominated and uh and that's fine but i just make i just maybe want to make sure that i also keep in touch with the reasons you work hard when you have a kid which mm-hmm. is to establish a life. Anyway, listen, we've talked for 10 minutes and you haven't said a word about yourself. What's going on? What do we need to know? Are we going to talk about the same stuff from three and a half years ago? Are we talking about new current day stuff? Where are we at? Thank you for letting me vent. That was very thoughtful of you. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I don't want to, I don't necessarily like to grab the reins in conversation. Um, So thank you for indulging me there. I'm also trying really hard not to let expectation get the better of me (sighs) because, you know, like I would... I would, when I was listening to the show regularly and like, you know, new episode comes out, that's, that's my, that's my subway listen. Yeah. Um, I would have these hypothetical conversations with you. And then when we spoke, you know, three years ago, like I even just in the first few sentences, I was like, oh shit, no, I like, I've built this way up way too far up in my head. (laughs) So, so what's going on with me right now is that I'm like, trying to just be in the moment and listen and respond and like do good improv about this. Um, or I guess be a good person about this. Um, so uh, with me right now, I don't know. Um, you mentioned your dad's a worker and I feel like that, that is an accurate description of my dad as well, but he's also, uh, a, a dreamer and I think passed that on to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm still, chasing that dream and working hard as a result of doing it. But, uh, I, I, I don't know. Kids are kind of on the, I don't know if they're coming on the pipeline for me necessarily, but, uh, I, I reorganized my life in such a way when I was dating this girl to think like, I will never have kids and we're no longer together. And, so now I'm kind of reevaluating that. So the fact that like you were talking about having your kid and talking about, you know, dads and kids is maybe a good place to start. Maybe sure. not. Sure. Yeah. I love it. You see, my thoughts are very well organized here. I've got like a, a sure sense of flow. You're doing great. And it's kind of amazing <laughs> for me. Cause it's like, you know, the show has changed over the years and you don't know that. <laughs> I don't know that. No. So it's like I get to have an old school call where I don't know where it's going and you don't know where it's going. Because now, you know, the people tend to, I think, plan a little bit of what they want to start with. And this is like an old school. Doing, no, but th- this one feels like three and a half years ago when it would call and be like, well, what the hell is this going to be? And I love that. <laughs> I love it. Tight. Cool. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my dad, my dad works hard. And loves me very much. I think I love him more out of, uh, like, you're supposed to love your dad. And I guess I'm grateful that he loves me back, so there's a little bit of mirroring there. But I don't really want to end up like him at all. And so I think about that a lot. That's a thing. Yeah, I've been there. 
I've been there. And my dad's the best. My dad's the best. Even if he wasn't listening to episodes occasionally, he's the best. He is. And I want to hear more about your situation. And also we should make sure that at some point we parent becoming a dad completely rearranged my feelings towards my dad. Mm. So I don't know how specific you want to get about your situation. I mean, he just keeps promising. I'm, I'm fairly an open book, so it depends how deep you want to go. Let's dive right in, but, my friend. We didn't, uh, we didn't reconnect three and a half late years later to skim the surface. <laughs> You're right. No, let's get to it. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. Like, recent things have come to light about my dad and uh, if this doesn't, if my sister hasn't figured out who I am by now, she definitely will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found She out may be asleep by now, to be fair. That would be great. I mean, I've, she doesn't listen to me to begin with, so there's no reason she wouldn't be like, oh, I can just tune out uh-huh. immediately. This may be the episode most of all that she uses to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this doesn't infect her dreams. Um, I found out recently, and I've always had a contentious relationship with my dad. Um, he's, uh, he's undiagnosed bipolar. And so he has like really big mood swings and my whole life he has, but you know, when I was a kid, I didn't have the words for it. So it was just kind of like, I don't know. You talked about this a little bit, like we're dealing with depression about like, who am I going to be today? It was kind of like, who am I going to be living with today? Yeah. Is it going to be like the person who's like super celebratory and everything's an adventure and just wants to wheel me around above his head and go play? Or is it going to be the guy who's like really stressed about money and going to make me cry because I ordered the wrong sandwich at Jack in the Box? Um, so I've, we've always had trouble there. But as I've gotten distance from him, like going away to college, moving to New York, I see him maybe once every two or three years. And so it's been easier to kind of control our relationship like I know how much of me he sees and I don't have to receive so much from him like if I don't want to yeah well you're a grown-up now and you get to eh, well, I'm of... tall. what's that I said well I'm tall I don't know if I'm grown up how tall how tall are we talking <laughs> I'm six two six two that's quite tall that's how tall my dad is um, which is great. I look like my mom's side. If you saw me next to my dad, you'd be like, there's no way that oh, same. six foot tall man is the, uh, parent of that five foot seven big, <laughs> big head boy. Um, but it is nice to be an adult on your own. You get to set the parameters a little bit more. And I would imagine that helps a lot. It certainly does. Um, but the, the, the big struggle in the, of late is that I found out that when I was a baby, like before I had uh, memories of anything, he was physically abusive to my mom. Oh. And I like, he didn't tell me that obviously. In fact, I'm not sure he remembers or if he does, I, you know, like, like consciously, I think he has blocked that out to maintain the kind of image of himself that he has. So I don't want to confront him on it because I don't feel like anything fruitful will come of it. But every time we talk now, I feel like this, there's this underpinning layer of like, why am I talking to you? You used to like choke my mom. Yeah, of course. 
That's very, let me say, extraordinarily different than than my dad's story since we were comparing. That's uh, oh, that, sure, yeah. That's uh, how old were you when you when you found out about that? Uh, this I was twenty seven. Oh, I mean, when you've already had a life of of some confusion and maybe resentment, not to put words in your mouth. It sounds like maybe that similar feelings to that. And then at 27, you find out something that's like crosses a red line Mm -hmm. on top of almost 30 years of those feelings already. That must've been a bad day. And you want to talk about like confusion. It was, it was a very bad day, but like in that same year, I think not even six months later, um, I, (laughs) I, I came out to, I was outed to, uh, my dad. This one. Thanks. Sis. Um, so, uh, my sister revealed to my dad that I'm genderqueer. I'm, uh, I'm a non-binary person. So even talking about like becoming a dad is a whole nugget. Um, but we, he and I reconciled over that and like finally like had an honest conversation about, about my identity and who I've been my whole life and not able to talk with about him. So, like, to have that catharsis, I couldn't then just be like, oh, and while we're here, um, what the fuck? I have two questions. Mm -hmm. One, would it be more comfortable if I said becoming a parent instead of a dad in reference to you and I? Because if you're genderqueer, I would imagine that dad is a very loaded word with some attachments. So let's just remind me. And if For I sure, um, I'm, yeah, just trying to be respectful over here. Well, thank you. No, you're you're great, and I know your heart's in the right place. And like, coming out with dad out of the gate, like I know I know how I sound, and like I'm six two. I get gendered as he a lot, mm-hmm. and it's not it's something that I'm like actively addressing and reconciling, and like feeling trans enough versus am I just trying to get away from being cis versus am I leaning into it? It's yeah, like I said, it's a lot. Um, it's what I write shows about. Um, but my, as far as becoming a parent, I think that is good just because dad is such a loaded word. Yeah. Cool. I'll switch it up. And if I forget, I will feel guilty. You, uh, I will absolve you of that guilt as best <laughs> I can. My, my, my great friend, Mal Blum, a musician uh i once before a, a show i was hosting a show that was like a record company showcase and mal and audrey who plays in their band about to go on i went up i said i want you to know this was also like four or five years ago i'm like i want you to know i'm going to introduce you and to try to get hyped up if i get caught up in the adrenaline i'm still figuring out the pronouns here and i apologize ahead of time if i mess up and they both looked at me and were like you always try and that goes a long way like you at least it really does you're at least pre-apologizing for getting out there and being like oh welcome <laughs> like the, the anyway when your sister slips up and 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 has that conversation i imagine you must be like this is the this is the last person i want to talk to about this based on what you said but then you said it was very cathartic let's pause there We're going to hear more about that conversation, and we're going to go in about 10 other directions as well. Right after these ads, check them out. We'll be right back. Thanks, advertisers. 
for allowing this show to exist, for allowing me to talk to people all over the world. Speaking of which, we're in the middle of a conversation. We're going to get back to it right now. Station, I imagine you must be like, this is the this is the last person I want to talk to about this, based on what you said. But then you said it was very cathartic. It was, because I think for the first time in my life, in, in our life together, he and I had a conversation on the phone that didn't involve him, like, hanging up and calling back and yelling at me and, like, hanging up as a, as a weapon and then calling back like, all apologetic only to turn again. It was the first time that we had a conversation, not only where I was fully honest with, like, hey, this is who I am, but where I was able, to, where he, where he listened. Um, yeah. So like that, and it was a turn. It made me think like, oh shit, there's been real growth in the ten years since we've been like living under the same roof. So I'm I'm thankful for that. And he still doesn't fully get it. Like he's still talking about gender. He still calls me like son and man and young man and all of that a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, isn't trying. Um, but in that one conversation, there was that glimmer, like that glimmer of maybe there's something there that, you know, it, it, he doesn't mean all the things you say, where it's like, you're my kid. Well, you're my son. And, uh, you know, I'll love you no matter what. So, yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a complex guy. The answer, man. the answer to this could very easily just be like, no, nah, I don't think that's the case. Do you ever wonder... Because your dad was un, untreated with some, some mental illness stuff, which is, is brutal. Mm-hmm. Do you ever wonder if some of the contentiousness, like, do you ever wonder if he sensed that maybe there was something non-traditional about you from the start and he didn't know how to handle it? I think so. I, do, I honestly do, but I don't think it was... I think my dad was very afraid that I might be gay and in all of my projections... I think he was afraid about that of himself. He's from a very tough neighborhood uh, in mm-hmm. Oakland. And he's, you know, he he has a, uh, had a very physically abusive father. My grandfather, like, like beat him. Um, so I know that, like, his version of masculinity is very traditionally rooted in aggression and bottling down and, like, covering up. So I think when my parents split when I was a kid, because, you know, my mom was tired of getting the shit kicked out of her, um, he saw things emerging in me and blamed himself for not being there to maybe not beat them out of me, but like to, to train them out of me. So I think he saw my more like sensitive qualities, my more like emotional connectivity and associated that with my mom and with femininity and Mm -hmm. thought it was a failure for him as a parent. So interesting to me what you're saying right now because I've been thinking a lot about it this idea of toughness mm-hmm. and I think toughness is tied in so intrinsically to growing up American especially growing up an American male and when you look mm-hmm. at all the archetypes of our heroes they're like cowboys astronauts army men when you're a little mm-hmm. boy it's like everything's about you gotta be tough you gotta be rugged and first of all, I think it's so outdated and probably the most unnecessary quality that we push upon each successive generation. I've been thinking so hard about this, especially 
as a new parent. But you know, it's eye-opening, my experience too, because my dad, really, really good guy. My thing with him, much gentler. Your, your dad was untreated, abusive, all these things that I can't say. But, but I was always like, he's just working so hard and there's times where he's not around. And I think he's kind of expressed some level of that. Like, oh, she was around more when you're growing up. And a lot of times he'd get back from work and it would be late at night and he'd be like all tired and stressed. And I'd kind of walk on eggshells because I didn't want to set him off. And there were so many good times too. But I remember those, those days shaking me up. But in echo... In echoes of what you were just saying, now I'm a parent and I realize like all, almost everything that I was confused by or came to resent a little bit in him, in his behavior towards, towards those situations rather, not in him, all of it was ultimately rooted in protectiveness of me, misguided mm-hmm. or not. He worked hard to provide for me. I didn't realize how poor my parents were. My mom once told me, she goes, we never told you how poor we were until we weren't poor anymore. And I realized, oh, he's work. he worked his ass off so we could survive. And he didn't tell me that because he didn't want me to be scared. So I was confused. Why is he doing this? Well, he's doing this for me. Why does he prioritize this sense of toughness? I look back and I realize... My neighborhood was kind of tough and it was unnecessary, but we needed to know how to be tough. And sometimes I would be like, why is this thing that he's always saying to me and my brother that we got to be tough? I don't want to be tough, but I realized mm-hmm. I probably had to be. And in the same way, your dad, it, sounds like, it sounds like with your dad, it was very much off the mark based on who you are, but he grew up in a world where if you're not tough and you're vulnerable at all, you get eaten alive. Ultimately, he didn't want that he for did. you. It's what's a shame is that he clung to that and didn't let who you were becoming reshape that. Mm-hmm. And you have to wonder if the ends justify the means. Yeah. Like in this perpetuation of toughness, he is you know, trying, he's trying to protect me and provide for me, but he's also trying to protect himself because I think he sees me as an extension of him. You know, I'm his firstborn and he thinks of me as his son, but you know, I'm his firstborn kid. Mm-hmm. So he definitely, I am, I am an extension of him and a part of him. And he, like you're talking about coming home late from work. My dad would be uh, out on the road for six weeks at a time. So he didn't see a lot of my early like formative years. So I think he kind of, I think he had that same maybe sense of, it sounds like your dad maybe felt guilty about having to work so hard, but he was doing it for you. My dad, you know, did the same thing, but I, while I think for him it is because he loves me, I still don't know for myself how much that is about him loving himself. Right, right. And ego. Because I know that there, there are a number of memories I have where my dad, I think, had the self-awareness to realize that he was pushing so hard. And and there were a handful of times I remember where he went out of his way when he was already dead tired to, to, to do some stuff that wasn't reflected that. And those memories are near and dear to me. Sounds like maybe 
maybe your situation, he didn't, he didn't take that same turn at any point. I don't know if he did. I don't, it's too much work to hold it against him. And especially now as he's getting older and he's kind of like, I mean, he's always kind of stewing around in regrets. He's, he's, he lost a lot and he looks at how much he lost. I want to give him this chance to redeem himself. I don't want him to be this. I don't want him to always be this figure to me of, um, you know, of, of the, whatever he's like the bully kind of, kind of dad. Yeah. But I also like, I don't, the reason I don't want to confront him now about this thing with my mom is, I mean, there's no excuse for it, but so much time has passed now that between us, I don't think there would be any benefit to dredge it up again, except to cause more pain. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe I have something inside of me that needs to confront him, but it's also not really, it's not really my confrontation. You know, it's, it's, so you've never talked about it? No, I, um, I, my, my mom never actually told me, and I swear to God, please do not say anything. You're still awake. Um, but... We, did you just say your sister's name? Oh, yeah. We'll bleep it. Name? We'll bleep it. Okay. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. I swear to God, sis. Um, <laughs> uh, she, my mom, told uh, my ex... And my ex was like, I had no idea about this. And I said, no idea about what? And, uh, you know, she, she blanched white. She did not mean to. She thought everything was out. But yeah, my mom, my mom doesn't know that I know. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, you said something that kind of slipped by, but I thought was so profound. Where you said, it's too much work to hold it against them. And I feel like that's uh, quietly such a profound thing that I bet people can get something out of because the thing I really am impressed by when, when that hit me in the gut was like, on one sense, maybe maybe you want that confrontation and maybe you want to set up. But in the other sense, that's you having to put your effort and work and time into something that's dragging you back down. And is that work worth it or is that work just going to perpetuate feelings this doesn't mean be in denial or not step up to the plate with responsibilities but the idea of like that's going to make it work for me and that's not fair such an interesting perspective on it well thank you i uh i feel that way a lot about about anger and about like you know resentment or any of that i just i feel like it's it's is of no use. Anger can be a good motivator. Anger can motivate you to like protect something that is yours or all of the, it can be a good fuel, but it's not some like you can't, it's, it's fuel, but it's also fire and you can't hold on to fire. Yeah. It's it, it like, I, like you said, I said, it's too much work. Yeah. And it's, I think it's really really great to get to a point in life where you can give yourself that where you can say I don't need to win this battle because then I'm getting sucked into a battle that someone else has created that's been so problematic 
that's eaten up so much time and energy and emotion already. I don't want to put the work into your little battles, you know? Mm-hmm. There's something very, I think, uh, you want to talk about tough. You want to talk about mm-hmm. tough? I'll say this. Who's, and you, you, you let me know that you were, I, I believe you said genderqueer, yeah? Mm-hmm, I so, did. And I'm not trying to confuse these terms. I'm saying this, uh, you know, everyone, you know, there's people identify different ways and I'm not, I'm not equating one for the other as a separate thought, but an extension of it. Who's tougher than a trans woman in America right oh, now, yeah. especially a trans oh, woman yeah. of color? Look at the rates of what communities get murdered the most. And commit suicide the most. Commit suicide the most, get assaulted. Mm-hmm. Who's tougher? There's nobody. You can. You. This whole old idea of like you're gonna be a tough guy, you're gonna be a tough guy because you you know you're you're like an old old school tough guy. Okay, it's pretty easy to be a guy right now. You know what? There's people who see you on the street and they want to fucking murder you, but you still have the guts to walk out there and be yourself. That's tough. That that's the toughest people I can think of. People where people will literally see you and have these feeling of the, such insecurity and such hate that they want to hurt, and you're still willing to walk out the door and say, "I'm not going to live in fear and I'm not going to live in shame." That's way tougher than being able to throw a punch. If you ask me, I agree with you. And there, there I'm not taking any credit in that. There are people who are infinitely tougher than me. I'm still like, even just in my presentation, I now, after I left New York, I moved back to my hometown and it's a very small kind of rural area. So my gender, my general gender expression is kind of passing for cis. And a lot of that was out of protection for myself at first. And that kind of became just out of laziness. (laughs) It's it's like way easier. Sure. Sure. To not do any of the things like most American women do on a daily basis. (laughs) My wife once made me laugh so hard. We were trying to go somewhere and I was all impatient. We're going to be late. We're going to be late. And she just turned around to me and she goes, hey, being a girl takes a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that I may have mentioned that on the show before, but it, it, I opened my eyes. So much. I was like, oh yeah, I never have to put on makeup. I never have to decide. I don't, I just throw on my fucking ratty old sneakers. I don't have to sit there and decide what shoes, all these unfair things. I'm like, oh, right. Mm-hmm. What? Think yeah. about how much time it takes you to shave or how little time I should say. <laughs> yeah. 90 seconds. Have you, I've, have you seen my baby, my tragic inability to grow facial hair <laughs> at the age of 39? <laughs> That's so funny. It's just laziness. I, I don't present as much as I would because I'm honestly, it's a lot of work. <laughs> no, for real though. I mean, it's like, true. With the going on, the going through all the motions, in addition to the emotional work. And, it, and there is <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Emotional work. But like physically, it's just so much easier to roll out of bed and throw on whatever, like a, a t shirt and jeans. And like, yeah, women wear t shirts and jeans. But if anybody sees me in a t shirt and jeans, they go, oh, he. Because why wouldn't they? Like it's just the, my bone structure and all of those. Right. So in order in order to be like in order to be even like thought of uh, as possibly gendered differently, it like it's 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 strangely like putting on a mask to take off a mask. Yeah. I have to say too, most people 
in your in your who have walked your life path when when it's time for them to come out they leave the rural area and they go to new york city it sounds like on your timeline you were like you know what i feel like it might be time to proclaim myself on this on this old gender spectrum in a way anyway i'm going to leave the liberal bastion of new york city i'm going to head back to the rural hometown. <laughs> that's a little bit of a a move that that I'm I'm fascinated to know why that was the instinct cuz most people are like I am heading to Greenpoint right now and I'm going to embrace who I am. <laughs> uh, I actually I got some friends evicted from uh, a department in Greenpoint. <laughs> really? Um yeah. Uh that move I don't want to get too far into this uh if that's okay. Sure. Just because the the the, the long story short is I I fucked up and then I lied about the fuck up Ooh. and in lying about it, I like, I got caught in that lie and I'm kind of, kind of thank goodness I did because it said, I mean, I, I try not to live with regrets. And while I lost a lot and like, m- like mourned and grieved what I lost, I, it was my fault and it sent me into where I am now. And I honestly do think I'm doing, I'm doing okay now. I'm, I don't know if I'm, I, I'm, I regret the, hurting the people that I hurt, but I don't, I don't regret where I am now, you know? Yeah. That is an intriguing, an intriguing thing to say. I know, I know there's Reeks a lot. of honesty and that I will ask no further questions about because out of respect to what you said. Every once in a while, gotta let life's mysteries remain life's mysteries. That's part of the joy of this show, but there'll be so much more revealed when we get back. Now let's finish off this conversation. I will ask no further questions about because out of respect to what you said. I appreciate that. I, 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 mean, I do actually, I, I would love to talk more about it, but in basically in, in, in trying to apologize for hurting uh, these people, I, I had what my friend calls a Reynolds pamphlet moment. I don't know if I do actually know that you're familiar with Hamilton because um, you mm-hmm. dropped it in your show. But uh, mm-hmm. I had my Reynolds pamphlet moment I, I where I remember that. Oh yeah, I did. Hmm? I did. Yeah, I, yeah. I've never watched. You allude to Wee Hawkins. Yes, I haven't. Um, I haven't watched. I, it's too hard for me to watch it. I haven't watched it in years. But I did. I had a Hamilton joke in there. Okay. Yes, you were saying the Reynolds pamphlet moment. I had a Reynolds sample moment where I sent out. See, I, I'm in a tricky situation because I want to give more context, but in response to my Reynolds sample moment, somebody told me, "Hey, you're re-traumatizing uh, people by by talking about this instead of just like letting it be quiet." So I don't want to do that now again years later. Of course, of course, of course. You, um, you learn, the, from, you learn from the past ones and you, you're done and you're expressing that there's no pressure here. I'm not going to pressure you into telling me shit you don't want to say. 
I know. I appreciate that, Chris. I really do. It's my own, my own knowledge that, like, maybe this could get back to somebody who can, like, piece clues together and figure out who I am. And I, I don't want to stir this fucking pot. And a little, in a little bit of a way, I want you know, my lessons that I take about my dad about, like, not holding on to anger to be kind of prescriptive. But all, all of this to say, I'm sorry that I hurt these people that I did, but I made a colossal fuck up. And then in trying to like deal, it happened the same weekend. My, uh, my sister added me to my dad. So I was spiraling through so fucking much and it's not an excuse, but I handled it very, very poorly. And, uh, so being in New York was just too emotionally painful for me because I lost, like I lost this group of friends and so I, you know, you spend enough years in that city, every block has a memory on it. Yeah, that's true. So, in, and now that I'm, I'm back home, like the, I can see a little bit the larger picture, the, the grind of the city, the mid-afternoon masturbators, the, uh, just all of the, like, expense, <laughs> the sheer expense. Yeah. Um, of energy in addition and, and time in addition to money, um, but living in that city, I, I don't regret my youth there at all. I regret hurting these people, but I'm, I'm doing okay. And I really, I really hope they are too. And that they know how fucking sorry I am. I'm sure if they hear that, they're going to hear how honest and genuine that felt. So that goes a long way. Man. It goes a long way. I'm glad we reconnected. I'll tell you I that. am too. Three and a half years ago, were you as in touch with yourself now? Would it have been a, a wildly different conversation? I think it would have been. I don't think I, I, I mean, I did a lot of soul searching and, uh, you know, it's quiet uptown. Um, <laughs> and I had a lot of time. <laughs> It's a good show. <laughs> it's it's uh, very good. I had a lot of time to walk around and like, I I dealt with my anger for the first time. I used to think that I wasn't an angry person. And then that's like the only reason I think of anger the way I do now is because I was so angry. I felt like a lot had been taken away from me. But then I, of course, I come back around and realize like, no, you you forfeited that. And you do have all of this anger and a lot of it you inherited from pop, but a lot of it is of your own generation and you can, you can kind of diffuse that. So it's not such a poison anymore. And it's more just like a, a tool. But if we had talked three years ago, I would have been, I think I would have been looking for permission from you to do something like in this, I, I can remember being in my like hypothetical conversation. I was uh, in this relationship that ended, and I was, I was just kind of too cowardly to like be honest with this person and say like, "Hey, I don't think we should be together. I don't think we bring out the best in one another." Um, and I was like looking for some sort of outside source to make that call for me. That's probably would have been trying to get that from you. I would have still thought of myself as the hero of my story instead of just the protagonist. Right. And there is a difference, right? I guess there's there's a reason there's two different words for that. 
Mm-hmm. You're, there's a lot of wisdom, a lot of wisdom coming at you. A lot of soul searching, a lot of admission of missteps along the way. Mm-hmm. We got 15 minutes left. Oh, wow. And yeah. we're, uh, well, we did just have the, uh, the 11 o'clock number, so that makes sense. <laughs> uh, that was more just a story structure joke than a Hamilton one, but that wasn't even a joke. It was just a reference. <laughs> yeah, um, fair. And that's—I don't know—like part of like my my writer brain is like, okay, how do we wrap it all together? How do we talk about me becoming dad, becoming tough? How do we not ask you how you're doing, just in general, <laughs> and still kind of keep the call localized? Yeah, but I do. I, I'm curious about you, man. Like I, in addition to like sit, looking at you and being like, "Oh man, that guy looks like he's got it all going on," and clearly doesn't because he constantly is talking about how he doesn't have it all going on. Constantly talking about how he doesn't have it all. When anyone from the outside would say, "You're doing great. You've done some good stuff. Why? Mm-hmm. Why can't you feel? Why can't you ever feel happy at the?" end of these things and i'm learning how finally after all these you years have, you have a show you have a show well, wherein, it might do you well to rewatch uh um fucking career suicide uh, because you do have the line and I do, i'm guilty of this too but you have the line where you're like not to quote your own show at you but you have the line that uh this that those brass ring jobs those brass ring things aren't going to make you happy you never. just have to keep living with it. I just toured this show that I wrote uh, and wherein I'm like, I'm, I'm talking about how like it's, I, I completely rip you off. It's uh, a show about sex, gender identity and other black and white topics, which is like just me parap- uh, paraphrasing the log line for your suicide. <laughs> oh, that's um, fine. That's fine. I, okay. Thanks. I th- when you uh, were like, I'm doing, a sh- I've totally ripped off your show. It's about sex and gender. I was like, that's you're that's not oh, okay. You just mean no, the poster. No, just you just mean the just words the on the poster. Got it. I do, yeah. Right, right, right. Um and in the show I talk about how like I'm I, I talk a lot about my exploration of um trying to find out who I am and what I am and all of these things. And it's like this is neither here nor there, but the whole show is is done in rhyme because I got way too into Hamilton. And <laughs> in it as I'm touring it like I'm trying to do it at comedy venues and I'm finding like it's not totally funny but I'm like it's not a theater piece because like like, I do want the jokes to be there and I want it to feel like storytelling like stand up like something like you or or, like Burbigs would do like any of those um and then I've got this whole show and in the end I'm talking about my like my gender identity and how like, I'm not a man, but I'm, I, I'm definitely not a woman and I don't know. And is it okay to be both? And in my show, I say yes. And like a friend of mine had, who was on tour with me was like, listen to your own fucking words. Like yeah. the show you say it's okay to be both. The show can be both and be neither. Like it, it just is. Stop trying to fit into a box. Yeah. I get it. The idea you got to listen to your own words. You're quoting back the brass ring stuff to me. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's funny. Now it's not like, I don't feel like I, I got to get another cool gig to prove anything. It's more like, well, what am I going to do? 
Because in life, the <laughs> credits don't roll just because you did something cool. You still got, I still got to be alive for like, you know, like 40 more years. Like, what am I going to do for 40 more years? So does, is it, what do you want to do? Well, that's the tough thing. It's like, I've, the stuff I've done is stuff I've really wanted to do, but am I just going to do it forever? I don't know. But if I don't, am I like quitting and giving up? Like, is the idea of quitting after the TV show that was my dream failed? Is that like, is that like, I'm, I'm not going out on my own terms. It's, it's like, so there's so many confusing aspects to it. But at the end of the day, you're right. I need to listen to my own words. And, and I, I will tell you, that's the thing that changed overnight about parenthood was, was like, I'm, I'm no longer this person who felt like he had to put his fists up and just make it through the world on his own. I'm never on my own. Like they're not, there's just no way I am now connected to this other person in a way that's, there's not words for it. There's just not words. So it can't ever be about me again. I don't want it to be everything now is about setting the stage and the platform for someone else. And he doesn't know that. He doesn't understand that. And I didn't understand that. Like, my dad, like, I'll tell you, like, I I got, people would be surprised. I was a fighter when I was a kid. I got in fights. And uh, my parents still talk about, like, it happened too often. It was, it was not like, you know, did you just break your phone again? Did you just drop your phone and break no, it? No, no, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, I'm it made a crazy beeping noise. I was like, that would be so funny. <laughs> that would be so funny if you you have call waiting or something. It beeped no, again. I don't. I didn't hear the beep on my end. I don't know what that Maybe was. Maybe that's on our end. Maybe we have call waiting. Maybe someone's trying to get on the air <laughs> while you're. <laughs> well, they can wait their goddamn turn. They can wait three years yeah, and then talk to me. Three years later, we'll call you back, buddy. But I used to be a fighter. And I don't think my parents were thrilled about that, but I think there was a part of my dad that was like, good, you got to know how. But I, I look back, I did need to know how. I was in an environment where I did need to know how. So mm-hmm. he made me tough. And there was a part of me that was like, it's not, I'm not tough. So why do I have to be tough? Well, I did. And he gave it to me. And now I know part of my job is like, well, now he's positioned me in a place where that got me through some stuff. And I think I'm on the other side of it. And maybe now the next generation, my kid, he's a little bit more in a world where that's not a factor, where he's not going to have to be tough in the same way I was. I want him to be tough in a certain sense, but not in the same way I was. I think you want him to have, you want him to be tough and that he'll stick to his principles and that he'll like be proud of the work that he does, not who he is or where he comes from. Yes. Like you were talking about the male and masculine, the male masculine identity. And like a lot of that is like toughness and pride to be like, I'm proud to be an American. It's like you happen to be an American. You should be proud that you use your, a, a giant American flag just drove past me. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> some guy in a pickup truck was just waving it in it in the back. But, like, you should be proud of what you do with that luck and with that privilege. Yes. But, like, there's nothing inherently proud in it. But the toughness, the toughness comes from sticking to your principles and sticking to your beliefs and, like, standing up for what you believe in. Because that, that is way tougher than winning a fight. Yeah. Because that's a fight that, like, 
never ends. Like the credits don't roll on that. It's interesting because it's like I've had to think about like, like I just said, I had to learn how to throw a punch after a certain point. And I'm mm-hmm. like, do, do I want my son to know how to throw a punch? I've sat and thought about it already. And I'm like, the answer, mm-hmm. the answer is yes. Because I don't, for, I don't want him to feel like he has to throw a punch like I did, where I felt like if I want these people to fucking leave me alone, they need to understand that I can hit back. You know, like you and right. I, people who are going to relentlessly torment me. Make there was one kid in my neighborhood where this kid used to follow. He was a year older than me. He used to follow me to school, just making fun of me. He used to wait for me after school so he could make fun of me, and he'd do it in front of other kids. And I'll never forget, there was one day where he was doing it. And as soon as we got off school property, I just dropped my bag. And he's like, what are you going to do? And I, just, I was tiny. I was in sixth grade. And mm-hmm. I put him on his ass. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And nobody, none of the other people there that day went out of their way to mess with me. But I don't want my son to have to deal with that. But he needs to know how to throw a punch so that if he sees other people, that he can, that he can help. That if he sees throw it on their behalf well i always think about that of like if i didn't know how to throw up i think i think i I, how would i say it? i have tried to take that sense of toughness in my life and i've tried to extend it to some other people who maybe didn't have the luxuries i've had and I've, i've i've done my best as much as i've learned how over the years to say like with my with my old tv show like look i'm a white guy i came up at at ucb when it was blowing up i had parents who could I knew that if I ever bottomed out money-wise, they lived 45 minutes away and I'd have a place to crash and I wasn't going to starve or get evicted. Like, I had a lot of advantages. But then with my TV show, I was like, all right, like, now I'm in a position to hire people for jobs. I want to hire the best people. I want to hire the funniest people. Also, there's people who don't have the luck I have. I want to hire them too. I want to make sure that I can, and I'm not I'm not saying I'm some hero for that. I could have done much better, but that sense of toughness allowed me to see, like, all right, I get to fight some fights that other people maybe need some help fighting too. And I want my son to know that. Like if I don't ever want my kid to start a fight, I don't ever want my kid to have to fight one-on-one. It would break my heart. But if my kid saw someone getting bullied for some bullshit, like I just saw this video on Instagram of this kid and all these kids are gathered around while one kid's punching them. And you can tell this kid's just fucking taking it because there's 10 other kids there. And he's scared that he's going to, if he's fun to fight back, now all of a sudden a bunch of people beat him and I would love it if my kid walked into a bathroom where that was happening and he decked one of those assholes and he mm-hmm. came home and was like, I just got suspended from school for a month. I said, why? And he said, because I saw a kid getting beat up and I stepped in and stopped it. I'd say, great, let's hang out all month. I'm, prou- yeah. I'm proud of you. School? You don't have to go to school for a month? Awesome. Fantastic. School stinks anyway. <laughs> so that's where I'm at with the idea of toughness is that it's that's a good place to be it's in a, my opinion it's a tool that can be utilized at your choice but it doesn't have to be this defining aspect of who you are who cares no it also shouldn't be the thing that walks into the room first no it should be something oh, that you pull out from behind your back I love that I love that you gotta walk in the room and everybody needs to know you're the strongest one in the prison yard no get out of here yeah man get out of here ah I love hearing that 
You have the you have a good ability. Yeah, you are a writer. You said you write shows. You you can you know how to drop it. You know how to drop something cool into one sentence that makes sense. Very writerly Thanks, man. quality. That means a lot coming from you. Thank you very much. Hey, I'm done. I just said I'm cooked. So you gotta somebody's gotta <laughs> yeah. grab the torch. All right. You're the next. So you can do stuff still. Do I'll do stuff. I'm, I'm going to do chase st- anything. <laughs> I'm going to do stuff. I just got to figure out what it is. You got to hire people still. You know, let them be tough. Uh, the, 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 one of the cool things is that some of the people I have hired have now mm-hmm. gotten to positions where they can hire people. And that, that makes me cool. so happy. That makes me so happy to feel like, oh, I helped that person pay their rent when they were struggling to do that and now they're exceeding what I ever did and maybe some of the integrity and the values that I took from the people I always admired and leaned on they had a stretch of their life where maybe they were leaning on me and maybe some of those values I had maybe they'll stick it with it and survive that's cool that is that is very cool and I only just springboards from there yeah that's one what one would hope three and a half Years. Maybe we should touch base every three and a half years. Maybe we should do a follow-up call with you, but we should say it can never it can never be less time than the original gap. Has to be at least like three and a half years every time we talk. That sounds great, man. That's about as I think that's about enough time for me to accumulate another line of wisdom. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. And uh as always. I take great joy in realizing you and I walk different paths and those paths might not look like they have too much in common, but then you get down to the roots of it and it's like, we're all just messed up by our dads and we all just wish that school wasn't so fucking weird in America. We all wish that there were like movies about sensitive guys. Like it's all the same stuff that messed us all up. It's fine. Mm -hmm. It's fine. Yeah. We're way, way less different than we appear to be. And uh, also you and I appear to be fairly similar because it, it's way easier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we have more. Maybe people would assume we're the same. And that's only because you don't feel like uh, putting in the effort at the end of the day. Exactly. Or no, at the beginning of the day. At the end of the day, sure, I'll get dressed up. That's fun. <laughs> but I'm at not the a morning person. Who wants to put on fucking foundation first thing in the morning? Not me. Oh, God. There's a reason it's called foundation. You build everything on top of it. And, like, you got to break ground. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So you're like, I'll just throw on the old T-shirts. It's fine. Mm-hmm. We have 20 seconds left. This has been oh, shit. three and a half years in the making. Any final words for the listeners out there? Uh, I'm definitely going to start listening to the show again. <laughs> um, I didn't, I swore a bunch. I didn't say sorry, Sally. So sorry, Sally. And, uh, you know, be brave, be kind. You do you. And uh, always remember that always give somebody a second chance, but never give them a third. Caller, so nice to touch base. Uh, 30% of a decade after we had last spoken. Thanks for being open. Thanks for letting me know where you're at. Thanks for asking me so many thoughtful questions. Thank you to Jared O'Connell for all of your help with the show and for organizing 
that loopy one. Thank you, Shell Shag, for the music. ChrisGeth.com if you want to know more about what I'm up to. Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. We'll see you next time. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, I talk to as many of you as I possibly can in one hour. Hello? Yeah, yeah, everybody. Hello? Fight oh, for focus. Hey, I tried to. Hello? Hey, Chris. This is really cool. Oh, my gosh. Am I on? Hello? Ah, happy New Year. You are all Hey, happy New Year. Everybody. Happy New Year. Hello? Hope you guys have a great year. I'm reading your book right now. Hello? That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.